This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AstroCast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing. Get highlights, interviews, the latest news surrounding MLP, and your Astros. Brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Looking up. See you later. Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. Subscribe to AstroCast. Expecting a great season with this Astros team. The official podcast of the Houston Astros. It's going to be a lot of fun the whole way. Greetings from Minute Maid Park, where today the Houston Astros wrap up their six-game homestand with the finale of a three-game series against the Texas Rangers. Astros have taken the first two games of this series, including a 4-1 to win over the Rangers yesterday. Jordan Alvarez, two hits, including a homer, drove into. Framber Valdez struck out four over six hitless innings, did not allow a run, as the Astros have won four of five so far on this homestand. Rangers, meanwhile, have lost 11 in a row. Astros are 60-39. and That's first in the AL West, four-and-a-half games ahead of Oakland and 25 games ahead of the Rangers who are last in the division with a record of 35 and 64. Let's take a look at our pitching matchup brought to you by the official health care provider for the Houston Astros, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. It's Zach Greinke on the mound for the Astros today, trying to become the fourth 10-game winner in the American League today, a 3.58 earned run average. He's been a real workhorse for the Astros this year, fourth in the American League in innings pitched. And I think it's a good matchup for Zach the way he likes to tease the edges of the strike zone. And I think the, the Rangers might uh, chase some of those pitches that aren't in the strike zone. Meanwhile, the Rangers going with a bullpen day and left-hander Taylor Hearn is getting the start. It's going to be the second time this year he started on a bullpen day in his third career start. And neither of those starts has he made it out of the first inning. Yeah, the most pitches he's, he's thrown this year is 50 pitches. That was on opening day in relief. So don't expect him to go real long. I, I would imagine they'd be really happy if he can get into the third inning, and uh, they'll just go from there and see how they can play the matchups going on the rest of the ball game. But Taylor Hearn is a hard-throwing left-handed pitcher, has a good hard two-seam fastball. Uh, he's been a little erratic with his control throughout his career, but they feel like in the long term, if they can harness some of that control, he could be a real valuable piece in the bullpen later on. We'll be back with more of Astro Launch right after this. And Altuve hits it in the air, pretty deep to left. Going back is LaCastro at the wall, looking up. See you later! 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 Astros win it in the bottom of the night! This is the Houston Astros. And it's deja vu all over again! Radio Network. Well, Miles Straw not in the lineup for the Astros today. Chaz McCormick getting the start in center field. And uh, McCormick, man, what a, a valuable player. Player he has been. You didn't really know what you were going to get. Did not have the best spring. Hadn't been in the big leagues uh, getting a chance to play until this year, but he's been up all year and has done a really nice job as that fourth outfielder for the Astros. It's not an easy job, especially to be a young player and to be able to come off the bench to something he's never done, uh, especially as a major leaguer. So uh, I think about Lebanese Diaz and what makes him so good at playing part-time, and I think it's that simple swing. It's just very uh, economical and efficient, uh, and I think those types of players 
thrive off the bench because they don't have a lot of moving parts. Coming up next, we'll hear from Astros general manager James Click as we do every Sunday, but now this from your local station. Subscribe to AstroCast. Joined by Justin Verlander. Lance McCullough. Michael Brantley. Tons of interviews. Alex Bregman. Carlos Correa. Follow your favorite team. We definitely love playing in front of our fans in Minute For the H. <laughs> AstroCast is poured for you by Carmock Brewing. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Astros general manager James Click, who is a busy man right now but was able to stop by before the Astros take on the Texas Rangers trying to get the sweep today and uh, trade deadline obviously coming up on Friday and if you could just take us into I don't know if it's a war room or or what have you but uh, and I'm obviously there are lots of people involved but but who are kind of the principles that you guys are kind of like hey we need to all make sure we're in contact or near each other as much as possible during this time. Yeah, there's, there's different philosophies I've found throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Some people like to have a very small room. Some people like to have a, a big room, very inclusive room. And there's pros and cons to each of them. Uh, my default, especially uh, this being my, my second year here, is to have a bigger room. I, I want to hear from everybody that we've got, I, you know, people who know the organization better than I do, especially uh, as some of the conversations mature into the point where you're exchanging names. If somebody asks about a player, I need to have more people in there to tell me who is this guy, what do we think about him, you know, what what can't we read in the scouting report, what can't we see on video, those kind of things. And so, uh, it, it's a very large room. Um, you know, I, I like to have a lot of a lot of different voices in there. We obviously have our, our analysts, our R and D guys. Uh, we have what's called our baseball strategy group, headed up by Bill Furcus, and mm-hmm. uh, you know that group really helps out with a lot of the the contracts and and the strategy of it. Uh, we have our sort of our pro scouting uh, analyst group is in there uh, a few other people and then beyond that you know I, I spend a lot of time on the phone with other people around the organization who might not be actually in the room but you know a, a Bagwell and Enos Abigio you call those guys what do you think obviously Jim Crane is is very very closely involved with everything that's going on and so by dint of that like the room gets gets pretty big but you know there's a few of us that are going to be in there for quite a few hours over the next week or so we've talked about this before you've said this publicly to others you know pitching obviously is the priority and i mean it's a priority for every team that's that's in a position to contend as far as the astros go does this handedness matter very much does swing and miss stuff i mean what is there anything in particular that kind of stands out for for you well i guess first of all uh jim crane likes to say uh there's three things that you need in baseball uh, pitching pitching and pitching (laughs) uh i told him we have the first two we're working on the third one so um the thing about pitching and especially these days when we get so much information on these guys is that there are many many different ways to skin a cat i think you look at our roster and you can see that even just our starting rotation a variety of different styles a variety of different uh weapons a variety of different ways to get guys out and in a lot of ways i think we understand the mechanics of that and how guys get guys out pitching these days maybe better than we did 10 20 years ago but in a lot of ways it's also highlighted what we don't know Mm -hmm. and sometimes sometimes there's just guys who get guys out and you can't explain why it is and you just have to accept, I can't explain this, but they have gotten guys out and they probably will continue to do so. How much does the crackdown on the sticky stuff factor in with, in terms of evaluating pitchers? Honestly, it's something that I think slowed things down a little bit at the end of last month uh-huh. when uh, some teams said, hey, we want to wait to see how this impacts the, the game, how it impacts the style of play. Does it impact some players more than others? What I want to make sure that we do is, is keep it all in context. And don't assume that if a guy has a change in repertoire that that's a causation. It may just be timing. It may be every July this guy 
changes. Yeah. Um, so it is a factor. It's something that we do think about, but it is not the forefront of our minds, certainly. Uh, and I think beyond that, it's it's good. We all just want the level playing field. That's what we're going for here in baseball. And the fact that they have leveled it, I, I think, is good for the game. One guy who hopefully you'll be getting back soon here is Alex Bregman. And found out today he's starting a, a rehab assignment tomorrow uh, for AAA Sugarland. I know he's been chomping at the bit come, to come back from this this quad injury. I mean, chomping at the bit maybe more than your average player. Uh, but but obviously, good news. Do you, do you have a kind of a sense? And obviously, it depends on how things go. Do you have a kind of a sense of how long this rehab assignment might be? He said somewhere between 15 and 30 at-bats okay. is what he feels like he needs to get his timing back. So we'll see how long that takes. Um, the way that the Sugarland offense goes, you might be able to get six at-bats <laughs> a game sometimes. The main thing is just getting his timing back, making sure this is completely behind him. He is a, a player that is always pushing uh, to, to get better, always pushing to get back. I think it's a tremendous influence in the clubhouse and for the rest of the roster. Uh, but sometimes you have to just hold him back a little bit for, for his own good. Um, but it's certainly great news that, that he's heading to Oklahoma City, and uh, hopefully we'll get him back out here soon. Alemis Diaz, he's been uh, rehabbing. Uh, he's been with AA Corpus Christi. Might we see him uh, in Seattle? I hope so. I hope so. Uh, we just want to check on him. He played back-to-back Friday and Saturday. Let's get some eyes on him, make sure that he reports feeling good, and I, I think there's a very real possibility. So we'll see how that is. All right. We'll be back with more with Astros General Manager James Click right after this. Young Astros fans, it's never too early to show off your Astros pride. With the season in full swing, be a part of the official Astros Kids Club today. Kids 12 and under can join the Astros Buddies Club and receive a Buddies backpack, cap, socks, and access to exclusive events and activities throughout the year. All for only $25. What's even better, it will get shipped right to your door. For more information and to purchase your Astros Buddies membership, visit astros.com slash buddies today. Welcome back. Once again, joined by Astros General Manager James Click. And, uh, you know, the draft, obviously, behind you, you're getting guys signed at uh, at this point. And I believe it's uh, 15 guys who have been signed out of the draft class. Uh, Is the expectation that, I mean, now you you probably have a better idea and the deadline is coming up on the first. You you feel like you'll be able to get all all of these guys signed? Yeah, we're optimistic. Um, But one interesting change to the schedule this year is with the draft as late as it is, the draft deadline being August 1st, the trading deadline being July 30th, I have had to really focus my attention on the major league roster and the trade deadline, and I have left the draft and the follow-up and the logistics of that to Chris Gross and Charles Cook and that group Mm -hmm. over there. So um, I don't know that I'm the right person to answer all the questions (laughs) right now, but certainly when we went through the draft, the expectation is to to be able to come out of it with all of them signed. Obviously, some things can go sideways on you uh, in terms of physicals or just changes or changes of heart or anything so it's never certain but um but no our our, our hope and our expectations to get you, everybody in here and you bring up a good point we talked about this a little bit before we went on the air about just kind of the compression of the schedule with the trade deadline and the signing deadline for draft picks and then you have the draft during the all-star break which usually is kind of like a legit break for a lot of folks in in your position and i'd imagine it has to be especially tough for guys like you and some other guys in scouting or what have you who kind of are used to kind of going back and forth between the pro side and the amateur side. So is it requiring a lot of compartmentalization for your staff and for yourself? Uh, yeah, it, it is. And it's it's requiring keeping more balls in the air than we're used to keeping. Yeah. And, um, you know, talking to quite a few other teams around the game and certainly my own experiences here, 
normally you get through the draft and then there's a large group of people who evaluate players for the draft and then they spend the next month or so going out to the affiliates and evaluating the players that might be involved at the deadline. That's not uh, something that we're able to do right now. I, I myself, as soon as the draft was over, went out to a couple of our affiliates because I wanted to put eyes on some of these players that might be discussed. Right. And so this this having to do both at the same time is is putting a strain on not only our front office, but quite a few front offices around the game. And it'll be interesting to see if it has any real effect on things. And uh, also some uh, free agent signings as well after the draft, some, uh, you know, undrafted players. Uh, and obviously there, there are going to be, there's going to be more of that now with the draft to 20 rounds as opposed to being 40 rounds like it was just a couple of years ago. When it comes to free agent signings after the draft, is it one of those things where you already kind of have guys targeted or is it you kind of look at, what, you know, where, where the draft went and, all right, these are kind of our needs. How did you guys approach that? Uh, in the past, it would have been more trying to fill out the rosters of the short season teams. But given that we don't have the short season teams yeah. anymore, there's not the same prioritization of, oh, we need a shortstop to go to Tri-Cities or something like this. Um, from In my experience, it's more, okay, who are the top guys on our board at round 20 mm-hmm. who were not selected? Let's go see, is this something that they want to do or do they want to go back to school and wait one more year? Is it the sort of thing, how much leverage do these guys have? Because on one hand, they haven't been drafted, so there's that. But on the other hand, you know, potentially 30 organizations could be bidding for their services. Well, there is the hard cap of, you know, the most that you can give them as a bonus is $20,000. Uh-huh. And so in our efforts, it has been more about selling the Astros and our player development. And uh, I do think it's a, a real calling card of the organization that we have we have drafted and developed players as well as anybody in the game over the past few years. And so we have gone to a lot of those guys and said, hey, if you have your, your pick of 30 organizations, we have a lot of experience developing guys. We think this is the place where you have, you have the best chance to get to the major leagues. I wanted to ask you about one of the guys in the Astros system, Zach Daniels, who was a fourth round pick last year uh out of out of tennessee and i think he's really interesting i mean we saw him he was in you know he got some time in in big league camp and there's a lot of tools there but there's just so little to go by because his first two years at tennessee didn't play particularly well but then his last year at tennessee he put up good numbers but then the pandemic happened so it wound up being a, a shortened season for him uh, I'd imagine that had to be kind of a tricky thing, just evaluating him even coming into the draft in terms of, okay, this is a guy with all these tools, but how exactly, how much of this is actually real? Yeah, exactly, and that's that's what goes to our scouting group to try to figure that out. And by the time we got to the fourth round last year, the the appeal, the upside, even if there is a lot of risk there, was something that we talked about quite a bit. Um, Zach is a supreme athlete, just a, a really impressive athlete, really tooled. Uh, tooled up. Uh, he was in Fayetteville when I was there and then actually got promoted to Asheville right. while I was in Asheville. So he and, and Luke Berryhill were all promoted. And, and so they actually um, showed up in Asheville a couple of days after I got there. So um, it was good to see all three of them. Um, certainly Zach to, to get the promotion. He's, he's earned it. They've all earned it. Um, with with that athleticism, we need to work on harnessing it and controlling it and, and refining the approach at the plate. But Boy, if you can do that, you know you could have a very, very impressive player. Um, one of the one of the games in in Fayetteville, uh, he hit a ball and it probably still hasn't landed. And and I texted Pete Patilla and I was like, I was like, uh, Zach just ruined a baseball. He's like, that's great. You know, so um, it's it's in there. Uh, the trick is just making sure that it uh, it gets in there regularly. 
All right, James Click, Astros general manager, thanks for joining us, and I'm sure we'll have uh, plenty to talk about this time next week. Boy, I hope so. <laughs> we'll be back with more of Astro Launch right after this. Subscribe to AstroCast. Joined by Justin Verlander. Lance McCullough. Michael Brantley. Tons of interviews. Alex Bregman. Carlos Correa. Follow your favorite team. We definitely love playing in front of our fans in Minute For the H. <laughs> AstroCast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing. Well, we're very happy to have Josh Miller, one of the Astros pitching coaches, as our guest today. And Josh, first of all, thanks for joining us. Uh, how's everything been going? Everything's been going good. You know, uh, had a nice little all-star break, and we dropped a few games there at, in Chicago, but, you know, hoping to get on the, on the right track and, and get back to our winning ways. We talked to Gary Pettis last week, and I wanted to ask you this question because he mentioned when he studies video with base dealers, they're looking for a tell in a pitcher on what he does when he's going to deliver the ball to home plate and what he does when he throws the ball over to first base. And he told me, and I was expecting him to say 10% or 20%, but he said he estimated about 65% of the pitchers did something differently. Do you guys do scouting reports on your pitchers to try to make sure that they, they don't fall into that trap? You know, we do. We have an apparatus in place that kind of analyzes all of our guys uh, for tipping a move to first base or maybe even tipping a certain pitch type to home plate. And, yeah. you know, I would say that a lot of guys do something different on almost each pitch type or on a, on a pick or a pitch to home plate. But a lot of it is so subtle and so small that it's hard to be actionable. And we usually don't do much about that. But there are some things that are really telling. And, you know, you, you work immediately to correct it. And, and you know, you want to be as consistent as possible with certain things in your delivery or in your setup so guys can't take advantage of you and, and get an early jump on a steal or know what pitch is coming. And when you're talking about scouting reports on your own pitchers, do you work on predictability, making sure that guys don't fall into the same patterns? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you want to be as unpredictable as possible. Be willing to hold the ball for a 10-second count and pitch to home plate or, you know, hold the ball for a 10-second count and pick to first with your best pick move. And that's going to keep a, you know, potential base stealer on his, on his toes and, and not, not willing to, to, to risk an, an early jump and, and try and time you. And Josh, you spend your time in the bullpen during the course of the game. And I want to take you through a scenario so people kind of get a glimpse to what goes on down there. So the phone rings. We're in the sixth inning. And somebody calls down, say it's Strami, and he says, Josh, get Blake Taylor up. Uh, Joey Gallo's up third this inning. Have him ready for Gallo. Tell me what happens after that. So, you know, typically our guys are, are aware of the pockets or the hitters. They would come in yeah. situation dependent in the game. You know, Blake or when Brooks is here and active, like, they're very aware of where the left-handed hitters or the, the, the lefties that we'd want to match up against are in the lineup where they're coming up in an inning. They know where the starting pitcher is, pitch count. So they're doing a lot of their prep before the phone rings. Typically when the phone rings and, and you know, I, I hang up and, and, and let the guy know, hey, you're going to get up. It's right to business, uh, take off a, a hoodie or a, a pullover or whatever non-uniform apparel they're wearing and, and, you know, pretty much might touch the rosin bag and then get a ball and start, start throwing. Um, Everybody's a little different on the, the amount of information they want about the hitter. Um, I know Blake, Blake keeps a journal. He has his own stuff. He, he kind of knows attack plans versus certain uh, hitters in, in the lineup. And um, it's very a uh, really brief review that I might go over with him on, on the hitters that he's about to go face. Some guys are a little different and might give them a little more information about, hey, this is a good idea for an OO pitch, and this is what you do when you get ahead two strikes and, and things like that. So you're kind of just echoing some of the scouting reports you went over before the series as they're throwing their first few pitches uh, to get ready to go out there. 
Yeah, so usually I'll give them a handful of pitches just to get their body going. And, and once I get a sense that they are in a comfortable place to where if they were to have to go in like immediately, that they're they're physically ready. And that's when I might start dripping some information on them. And, and um, again, some some guys get more information than others. And, and uh, you know, I, I kind of have a feel it out process with with each guy. And when that reliever gets ready, you call back to the the dugout typically and let them know. All right. Taylor's ready. Yep. Ready to go. Um, you know, there are some specific scenarios where I wouldn't call back down. Like, say we get a call a heads up. Hey, have Blake Taylor ready for the, you know, the fourth or fifth hitter of the inning. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, uh, assumed and implied that he's going to be ready and I don't need to call and give them the heads up um, unless there's some issue and he's not. Um, but if it's an in inning call or move and yeah, it's hey, hey, Blake, go ahead, get going. Yeah. You know, you give me the thumbs up. You let me know when you're ready and and I'll call back down and let him know. Who gets ready the fastest? Ryan Presley's, uh, you know, he's he's ready with like three or four throws to a catcher standing up a lot of times. No kidding. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah he'll give me the thumbs up. Because, you know, I mean, he's better. He's been around for a long time. He knows uh, he very rarely throws his breaking balls in the pen warming up, which is amazing because they're two of the most, you know, incredible breaking balls on the planet. Yeah. Um, you know, he just physically, he does his prep and he, he trusts the process that he's going to be ready. And, and he knows he's got eight you know, eight to 10 pitches out there on the game mount too. So. All right. One question, Josh, that we had even before the season started, and it's going to be coming up more and more. And I'm sure you guys have tossed around ideas, but like with pitchers with, with Luis Garcia or anybody really, it, when, when you're trying to do balance uh, going for the division and resting pitchers uh, mm -hmm. this year, what kind of ideas have you tossed around to, to give a guy's breaks? Well, you know, we, we've already, we, kind of skip Luis um, into the all-star break and put him right. at the back end after. So that'll save a little bit. You know, we've kind of taken him out with some short pitch counts and three or four outings just to preserve an inning here or there and, and lessen the workload. Like, I, I feel like, you know, we've discussed a lot of things and I, I won't go into them all here, but just being smart about uh, having a, a broader view of, um, you know, what the season workload is going to look like and what that means going into a potential postseason this year and then also what that means going into next year and thinking about what's best for the player and what's best for the organization is definitely on the forefront of, uh, of our minds. And doesn't it depend on the type of pitcher? When I watch Luis Garcia, he just looks like a, a big pitcher who can handle a lot. I know he's approaching his career high in innings pitched, but I've talked to other people too. It just looks like mechanically he's not breaking down. He still looks strong right now, doesn't he? Yeah, his stuff looks great. He's a, a really durable, strong kid yeah, who has, yeah. you know, a, an ortho, unorthodox uh, wind-up delivery, but it's really consistent and repeatable. You know, the ball's been coming out really well. Um, yeah, we, we, we've not been given any signs that, that we're pushing him too hard here. But I just think, you know, going forward, we'll just be smart and right. make good decisions, balancing, like you said, the, you know, the need to uh, try and win the division and also have a, have a more uh, – you know, broader view of, of the organization's future. Josh, you guys are anticipating getting Josh James back and Pedro Baez, a couple of, of uh, pitchers who can certainly be welcomed into that bullpen the way uh, they've done in the past. Uh, what have you seen when you've seen both of them pitch, James and Baez? Uh, you know, James, they're basically like right now in the middle of like a normal spring training for the guys. So okay. if you can imagine – 
seeing our, you know, our consistent pitchers that have been here over the years in the middle of spring training, you know, their stuff's a little bit down. They're still kind of working into shape. They're uh, getting acclimated to maybe throwing a little more frequently. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the standard stuff. Life. Yeah. So, um, you know, the standard stuff applies there. Like they're probably going to be thrown a little bit slower than normal. They're just, like, they're building up to, to peak form. Um, you know, Pedro was, uh, I think he's in Sugar Land. He threw an inning last night. I think Josh James is, is going to throw in Sugar. I think they're in Oklahoma City, but throw for Sugar Land here uh, in the near future. And uh, we're looking forward to getting them healthy and, and getting them ready to go so uh, we can have uh, have the good firepower in the bullpen. Last thing with Josh Miller. Josh, Fromber Valdez, he pitches today. Stromy was telling me the other day that he felt like there were some posture issues uh, with his delivery. What does that What does that mean to you? Yeah, uh, you know, we looked at his his last outing uh, before the break against the Yankees that Sunday before the All-Star break. You know, look, it wasn't his best. That was probably his worst outing of the year. And we yeah. just looked at our normal uh, post-game analysis, kind of looked at, hey, what went wrong, what went right, and noticed that his delivery was, was a little bit different from, you know, what it was early in this year and then compared to last year when he was really, really good. And we had him throw a little bullpen in uh, Chicago when we got back from the break. Um, and I know the results weren't great in Chicago in his start, but, you know, he, he threw the ball pretty, pretty well Southside. and command, commanded things well. And it, the delivery was, was improved. He's, he's definitely uh, flexing into his, his posture a little better and, and leads to more re repeatable uh, release point and better command of his pitches. Josh, a little kid sitting in the car with his dad right now. How does he throw harder? Uh, be athletic and move faster. Controlled uh, aggression, I would say. Uh, it's not okay. about, you know, I, I, my son's two and a half, so we haven't really done pitching lessons yet. But when I've done camps or done lessons in the past, most of the time, they're, you know, you're coached into being very rigid and slow to throw strikes. Um, not the best advice for a young kid. You want, you, know? you, you want them to speed everything up. I want, I want, I want you to be, be athletic and throw hard and, and then learn how to control it to throw strikes. There you go. That's Josh Miller, pitching coach for the Astros. Thanks for catching up. Yep, thanks, Mark. Back with more Astro Launch right after this. The 2021 season is upon us, and the Houston Astros single game tickets are on sale now. Make your plans to see the Astros live at Minute Maid Park. From dollar dogs and Friday night fireworks to great plays and Crawford Box home runs. Looking up, see you later! You won't want to miss a second of the excitement at Minute Maid Park this season. We can't wait to welcome you back to the ballpark because this season is for the age. Visit Astros.com slash tickets for more information and to get your tickets today. Presley brings the hands together. High set at the letters. Hands away from the body. The one-two. Swing and a miss. Got him on a slider down and away. And that is the ball game. The Houston Astros start their six-game homestand with a one-run victory. Defeating the Cleveland Indians four to three. Ryan Presley joins us now, and uh, Ryan picking up the save. You hadn't pitched in a, in a little while with the All Star break. Hadn't pitched in in nine days. Your, your stuff looked pretty good. How did you feel out there? Uh, I mean, obviously felt pretty fresh. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, a little rusty. Uh, haven't been off the mound in a while, but uh, you know, that's not any excuses. You got to figure out a way to get it done. And and having Maldi come out there and talk to me and calm me down a little bit. Um, you know, I've. It's uh, greatly appreciated, for sure. Hey, whenever you, you haven't pitched in nine days like this, even if it's the middle of the season, does it still feel like you, you get a little jitters, like it's a little foreign to you? Uh, not so much foreign, but, yeah, you do get a little jittery because you yeah. feel fresh and, and you're trying to do too much, um, you know. And, 
you know, I was kind of all over the place, but, uh, you know, I'm glad I got that one out of the way and, and not without a headache, too. Hey, how's your wife Catherine doing? I know she's uh, she's pretty close to being due here, huh? Yeah, any day, any day I'm on call. So if you see me come running out of the bullpen in the middle of the game, you'll know why. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck. Uh, best of luck to you and Catherine, and uh, thanks for joining us, Ryan. Appreciate it, fellas. 3-1, and Alvarez drives it deep to left. Looking up. See you later. We're tied at six. Jordan Alvarez, second home run of the game. This is the Houston Astros. Sharing the love. Five RBIs for Jordan. Radio Network. Alvarez trying to shake out of an 0 for 22. One of the rare times during this drought for Jordan to get ahead of the count. Here's a 90th pitch by Mejia, and Jordan belts it deep to right field. And you can kiss that one goodbye into the second deck. A two-run home run for Jordan Alvarez and a 4-1 to Astros lead. That's how you break out of an 0 for 22. Jordan, what was it like to, to finally hit that home run after the struggles you've been having lately? I felt calm about it. Um, you know, I, I wasn't uh, exactly how I wanted to be in the box, but that's, you know, part of baseball. So I've just been making my adjustments, um, and I was able to, to make some adjustments that helped me out there in that at bat right there. Jordan, can you talk about some of the things that you've worked on to try to get your game, get your swing back to where you want it? I don't think I'm going crazy um, with any adjustments or anything like that. Um, I know what I'm capable of doing, and I wasn't going crazy with um, uh, any adjustments, you know, trying to get outside of myself too much. So, um, you know, things things went well today. When you're going through a slump like that, to not only be able to hit home run, but to hit one like that, was that how fun was that to be able to break out of your slump like that? So, uh, yeah, it's fun to be able to break out of a slump. Obviously, when, when you're not in a slump, it's not a great place to be. So it's fun to get out of that. And that reminds me of a phrase that my dad always told me that um, to get out of a slump, you either do it with a home run or with a bunt. So uh, it was good to be able to do it with a home run tonight. Yardon, how are you feeling after fouling the ball off your foot? And then uh, Dusty told us you uh, had a little hamstring tightness there as well. How, how do you think you're doing and um, if you'll be able to play? Yeah, uh, the, feet, the foot is good. Um, uh, the foul off the foot, I don't think there's anything serious. I don't think to worry about. Um, and the hamstring, yeah, it just feels, felt a little bit tight there after that play. Um, but it, I don't think it's anything serious either or anything to worry about. Um, if I feel, if I wake up and I feel good, feel like I do right now, uh, I think I have a chance to play tomorrow. Ramirez has grounded in a 10 double plays, the most on this Indians ball club. He stands right on top of the plate. Here comes the 2 0. It's a grounder. Gurriel's got it. Goes to Correa at short. And back to first base, Greeky covering, and he keeps his foot on the bag and gives the thumbs up to not only Ramirez, but the first base umpire. Greeky had his foot across the bag. Ramirez may have collided a little bit with Greeky, but that was more Greeky's fault, and that's what Greeky was telling Ramirez. But it's a double play. Score it three to six to one. Just what the doctor ordered for the Astros there. Zach, the, the defense seemed like it was really, really solid. Of course, that double play that you were involved in, but, you know, a couple good throws by Correa and Altuve as well. Um, just what did you think of the overall defense, and can you take us through the double play? Yeah, defense almost always good uh, with, with our team. And it was kind of just a routine ground ball, double play, just kind of got to execute it. I guess it's not routine when uh, it's not the easiest throw for the first baseman to go there. And uh, just have to beat, beat uh, the guy to the bag is the key to get the double play. And the guy was sort of fast, so they, I guess that made it not super easy. But just kind of a kind of just do, do it and should, should be able to get it done unless there's a mistake. Yeah, it looked like you had to stretch a little bit. Uh, I might not have needed to. But I, I just did. I got there in time. So it was, uh, when I get there in time, I could stretch. 
if I'm not there in time, then you can't really do that. Zach, how did the shoulder feel uh, in between starts, and, and how did it feel getting back on the mound? Uh, good, 100% now, so nothing to worry about. What were you all able to do to successfully navigate around the, 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 your shoulder issue that got you back to 100% and, and really fairly quickly? Uh, I mean, it wasn't a serious issue. It just was a sore for a while and was really wanting to to try to, like, let it let it heal where I've been trying to get it to heal for a while. But it, when you're continuing pitching, it was tougher. So just a little extra days and some medicine, and it got better. Dusty said that they wanted to keep you around 80 pitches today. Do you feel like you can go a little bit deeper right now, or is that just gonna, going to kind of be the plan for you, at least for, for the for the present? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know why that would be the thought, but, uh, like, my pitch coach told me that or asked me, like, 10 times in the past four days how I don't feel, and I keep telling them I feel great and nothing to worry about. And then same thing today, I uh, feel great. So there's no reason to take me out for – for workload or injury things, but uh, if think the guy coming in and the team setup is to get me out of the game and put someone else in, then that's fine. But for health or injury reasons, it it is not doesn't. There's no reason for that. One one, and Tucker blasts one deep to right center. It sends back Johnson looking up. See you later. Over the Astros bullpen, Kyle Tucker with a two-run shot. And the Astros with a 6-0 lead. Number 16 for Tucker on the year. A no-doubter to right center field. And he knew it right away, and he admired it. The Astros dugout, three hits tonight, three RBIs, had a had a big two-run home run this evening. And even your out, Kyle, was hit pretty well to, to left center field. It looked like you were feeling pretty good at the plate. Yeah, I mean, um, Hosey started off uh, with that big homer to start off the game for us, so... Um, getting a jump start to the game and scoring right there was huge for us. And then, you know, we put up a lot of good ABs throughout the game to put up some, put up a lot of runs. So when, when we're doing that, we're, we're winning games and we're playing well. Kyle, it's funny. Every once in a while, people start talking, what's wrong with this Astros offense? And then you guys put, put out a couple of games, 23 hits already in this first two games of this series. You guys are just clicking. No panic at all in that lineup, is there? No. I mean, we're, we're confident in what, what, what we can do out here on the, on the field. So. You know, if if we don't hit for a couple games, you know, it is what it is. You know, we play so many games, it's it's tough to be locked in every single one. But, you know, we come out here, put in the work, and put up good ABs. And, you know, we, we have a really great offense, and, you know, I'm proud to be a part of it. How much did that all-star break help, too? I mean, that was right at the end of a stretch of 26 games in 27 days, I believe. Yeah, that was kind of tough for us. I mean, you know, we're playing that many games in a row, um, you know, we were getting a little tired. But, um, you know, we, we, we finished off the, the first half pretty strong, and, we're getting ready for the second half during the All-Star break. So we're, we're, we're looking pretty good, and, you know, we're feeling great going into the second half. All right, Kyle Tucker, congrats on a good game, and thanks for joining us. Cool. Thank you, guys. Ten years ago, All-Star second baseman Jose Altuve made his major league debut with the Houston Astros. Now this seven-time All-Star owns three batting titles, a gold glove, the highest career batting average in franchise history. 18 postseason home runs, which is the most ever in MLB history by a second baseman. He was named the 2017 American League Most Valuable Player, and he's helped to lead the Astros to three division titles, two American League pennants, and a World Series championship.
Since joining the Astros family, Jose has fully embraced the city of Houston. He's made an effort to interact with Astros fans and the community throughout his entire career with the club. Thank you, Jose, for so many great moments in a spectacular first 10 years. We look forward to many, many more. Happy anniversary, young man. So after that base hit 10 years ago today, he's gotten 1,700 more since. 1,701 career hits for Altuve. Seven-time All-Star matches Craig Biggio for the most, most selections in club history. And Altuve drills it deep to left center. Ramirez is back, looking up. And see you later! Off the community leader signs. Jose Altuve, seventh leadoff homer of the season. And the Astros have a 1 0 lead. That's how you celebrate 10 years. Right there for Altuve. An early lead, and he jump starts the offense. Altuve's 21st home run of the season and his 21st career leadoff homer. This one's blasted down the left field line, hooking, or is it? It's fair! A two run homer by Altuve. He stood at the plate the entire time to watch, and I think it went right over the Chick fil A foul pole down the left field line. And Altuve has his second homer of the game on a rainbow of a homer to left field. I saw the fans over there right when it passed the foul pole. They all kind of looked up, and I saw a few of them, like, pointing, like, oh, that hit that foul pole. Jose, Dusty Baker said that your performance today was awesome, the reaction. He said, this is your town. You appreciate the fans, and the fans appreciate you. You know, uh, I think I said it many times. Uh, they're probably the biggest reason why we go out there and play every day. We have the best fans in, in in baseball, they support us every day, every year, and you know it means a lot to me to get all the support and all the love we get from from them. Jose, I wonder, did you get um, emotional at all at any time tonight with all the outpouring of support you received? I think the last uh, three or four days are being uh, a lot of emotions going to uh, through my body because you know, like I said, it's <clears throat> you know it's not easy to get to ten years. It's, you know, one thing is dreaming about playing 10 years in the big league, and another thing is actually making it happen. So, yeah, it, this is very special for me. It means a lot, and especially in this team with the teammates, with the fans, I have everything is is more special, I will say. <clears throat> you know, uh, special day, obviously, you know, 10 years, getting the victory today, you know, hitting homers. Uh, you know, like, like I said earlier, uh, it was another dream come true, and, you know, I feel very thankful and happy. Um, Jose, before the game, you talked about how what you've been able to do and being in the big leagues is better than you could have ever dreamed. Could Was this night kind of just part of like it being a dream come true? No, no, absolutely. This, you know, tonight's game was you know, another dream come true, 10 years in the big league, and, you know, we won the game. Everything today was, was very good, and I'm really happy. Did the fact that it was this big anniversary play into, I, or I guess help energize you at all? Or, or why were you able to come out and, and get off to such a good start? No, I mean, maybe. I just don't know. I, I went out there today and tried to play the same way I always play, given everything I have. And you know, obviously I had a good game. And in the end, what it, what it matters, what it makes the day even better is that we won the game. And, Jose, you already have 22 home runs this year, uh, a pretty good shot to, to get to 30 and beyond. Um, what's been the reason sort of behind the, the power surge this year? And is that, you know, something you're trying to focus on? 
Yeah, no, I, I obviously I try to focus on swing a good pitch. I know I've been a little inconsistent lately, but you know, to tonight I went back to to my plan, try to just go get one pitch, try to hit it, and you know, work out pretty good. A one two. Swing and a miss. Got him on the cutter inside, and Hernandez down on strikes to end the inning. A one, two, three first for Garcia. That is at the knees for strike three, and Reyes goes down looking. Second strikeout for Garcia, one away. One, two. Swing and a miss. Got him on a cutter down and in, and that's three straight strikeouts for Luis Garcia. Two outs. This stuff is fantastic, special, really special so far. Curveball got him. Strike three. Fourth strikeout for Garcia, and there's two away. And everything's working right now. And did he go? Yes, he did. And that's five strikeouts now for Garcia. Here's the one-two. Swing and a miss. Good slider low and in and gets Bradley. And that's six strikeouts now for Garcia. 2-2 coming to Johnson. Swing and a miss. Got him on the breaking ball. Looked like the cutter from Garcia, and he gets his seventh strikeout. And what a job by Luis Garcia, the Astros starter, Robert. Six more scoreless innings in his rookie campaign, and, and it just doesn't look like he's letting down at all. It certainly doesn't. Only allowed three singles, retired 18 of the 21 batters he faced. Was never really in trouble, especially after the Astros got him a, a healthy cushion with a six-run fifth. Luis, what did you think about your outing overall tonight? It was good. I think everything was working really good today, and I'm happy for the result. Did, do you think that having uh, some rest helped you coming into this one? Yes, but... I was yeah, I was already when uh, waiting to pitch, so I was like anxious. Was it hard for you to wait almost two weeks to make this start? <laughs> I w I was happy to throw it again, and and it was good. So your cutter usage was way up tonight. Um, was that kind of the plan going in, and just how effective did you think that pitch was? Uh, I think uh, the cutter was working really good today, today and I think working a lot on it, and I'm happy for it. What was your reaction or how surprised were you at that catch by uh, Altuve there in the third inning? Right-handed batter Garcia delivers the first pitch to Clement, and that's a liner, and it's caught by Altuve. How did he get up that high? And who put that elevator out there? Unbelievable catch. He could have slam dunked that ball. <laughs> yeah, backhand, too. Still looks pretty good 10 years in, wouldn't you say? You think after 10 years he couldn't do that stuff. <laughs> that was fantastic. Right in the very end of the webbing of that glove, and a little smile to boot. Something like this. <laughs> it, was, it, was really, it was really good catch, so I was super happy for him. And for me, too, because that was a hit. 1-1. <laughs> one, one. And Tucker blasts one deep to right center. It sends back Johnson looking up. See you later! Over the Astros' bullpen, Kyle Tucker with a two-run shot, and the Astros with a 6-0 lead. Number 16 for Tucker on the year. A no-doubter to right center field, and he knew it right away, and he admired it. Correa off second, 2-1 to Tucker, and that's a bouncing ball against the shift left side and into left center for a base hit. Correa around third. He'll score easily. Kyle Tucker picks up an RBI, his third of the game, and the Astros have a 9-0 lead. Al, given how the offense had been kind of down over the last handful of games, um, how did it feel to to explode like you guys did? Yeah, it was huge for us. Um, you know, we're not going to hit every single game. Um, you know, baseball is tough and we play so many games. But um, we did our best and for Jose to come out right away and, you know, get that huge homer to get us on board early was huge for us. So they kind of just started the momentum there. And 
we just kind of took it from there and put put together good ABs and kept it rolling. Kyle, I know that um, Jose had a good game, but what was it like watching Luis out there on the mound tonight? Yeah, that was huge. I mean, he was he was shut down for us. I mean, he pitched a great game. Um, there weren't too many hits against him, I don't, I don't think. And um, I mean, even when our offense isn't really rolling right away, um, when he's out there doing his thing, it, it gives us a good chance to have an explosive inning at some point throughout the game or just put up a couple runs even. Um, we feel comfortable with him out on the mound. It gives us a good chance at winning. Kyle, you, you've been up here now for a, a few years now. Do you start to gain an appreciation of just what it takes to actually play 10 years in the big leagues? Yeah, I mean, not not many guys do that. And, you know, we're lucky enough to have a couple guys on our team that have gotten up to that milestone. So any time you're in the big leagues, it's tough. And for them to get 10 years and to do it at such a high level, do it really well is amazing. So, you know, hopefully I can get to that point at some some someday. But, you know, to watch them still go out there every day and, and put in quality work and still perform after doing it for so many years is awesome. It's fun to watch. Yeah, what was the mood like in the dugout? I think especially after his second one where everyone was kind of just waiting for it to drop. Yeah, I, I thought it was foul and then, like just somehow clipped the foul pole. So um, it, it was cool because it was his 10 year anniversary thing from coming up and it was cool to get that first one right away. And then for him to hit a second one was awesome. So, you know, I, I'm happy for him to get those get those runs up on the board for us and I'm glad, glad he did it. Kyle, what was it like to watch, watch and listen to the crowd reaction, the atmosphere in the building for Jose throughout the game? Yeah, it was huge. Um, I was excited. They they played a whole uh, video thing for him uh, right before the game. It was fun to watch, and then um, they clapped for him, cheered him on for that, and then watching him uh, play the game. And you know, when he went up there for his first AB and hit that homer, that was huge. It was exciting for us. And um, I mean, he's been playing this game for so long, and he's been doing it really well. So I'm happy for him. What'd you think of that catch he made when he had to jump pretty high? Yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if he's going to get there or not. It was it was close, but you know, like. He, he's such a good player, and, you know, it's he does stuff like that all the time, but it, it still amazes me every single time. 2-2. Two, two. Swing and a miss. Got him on a breaking ball down and in. Inning is over. 1-2-3 frame for Belak. Picks up his first strikeout to finish it off. Swing and a miss. Got him on a slider down on the way, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros defeat the Texas Rangers by a final of 7-3. Astros have won three of their last four. Two and a third innings of uh, scoreless baseball only allowed uh, one base runner. And that was a key point in the game, Brandon, because Rangers were starting to get some momentum trying to get back into the ball game, but you were able to basically stem the tide there. Yeah, I know Oder as he came in, uh, he worked his, his butt off out there tonight, uh, made some quality pitches and uh, kind of got a little into trouble. But uh, our defense and offense won us the game today, uh, so uh, tip the caps to them. Brandon, uh, your curveball looks fantastic right now. Today you were throwing it at will when you wanted to flip it in there for the first pitch strike and when you wanted to put away, especially to the lefties, you had that curveball going. Yeah, you know, it's, it's something that I've been working on, uh, just being more consistent with my pitches because uh, my slider's been the one that's been getting me in trouble. Uh, so relying on the curveball lately has been, been the game plan. Hey, how much fun is it sitting out in the bullpen and watching this Astros offense? You know, that big five-run third inning. It, it seems like we see this on a regular basis from them. It's, it's pretty amazing. This, this, this whole team is special. Uh, I can't wait to see what, what this team does in the future. All right, Brandon Belak, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations on the win. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Correa drills one deep to left field. Gets that one goodbye. Back-to-back -back jacks for the Astros. Boy, no doubter for Carlos Correa. This 
is the Houston Astros. Who's having a season to remember for the Astros. Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.